0: Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for these precious people, bought by the blood of Christ, redeemed, sealed for eternity. Now you've got them here in your presence. You've received their worship. Now you want to give them something to live by for the coming week. You want to speak into their lives. You want to give them clarity, marching orders. You want to give them a will that comes from the very throne of God. You want to give them answers for some of the problems, even answers to some of the... Uh, Foolish mistakes we have made. Lord, speak and let your word do its work as nothing else can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we've been on a break. Today I want to take another chance and opportunity to get back to basics. Who are we? What moves us? What are we convicted about? What makes a covenant life member? Are you just a Sunday Christian? Do you just come to church because that's a box you need to tick? What makes a a Covenant Life member? To look at four uh, convictions about that. And I have it in your notes as well. So very quickly, I just want to go through some of those and share that with you. Very very little, uh, what's the right word? Uh, Rarely do I get these opportunities, you know, between series to kind of just hit out on another uh, theme and just to share my heart also a little bit with you. If you're not from Covenant Life, you're a visitor, you're a guest this morning, thank you for coming anyway. And if you ever like to join us, then this is how hard it is to be a Covenant Life member. Okay? And you can go and tell others, these people are ridiculous. Very good. Waterline went really well yesterday. We had a lovely time. Wasn't that great? And we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about uh, how to lean on and hear from the Spirit of God, we all prayed together. It was just amazing. Nine women's groups are meeting across the city. Nine women's groups. And they are reporting back some tremendous times of growth. We're about growth. We're about spiritual growth. About growing. There's Sunday Christians. And then there are disciples that are every day and every way. Disciples every day and in every Can you say that with me? Disciples every day and in every way. One more time. Disciples every day and in every way. That is the opposite of Sunday Christians. We have Sunday Christians, those who suddenly become Christian on Sunday. You know, they remind themselves real quick, they go over that, that's, that's right, I'm a that's I write number Christian. By Monday morning, it's gone, it's disappeared like the dew of the grass, it's gone. So we are about that. So what does it mean to be a member of Sia? It means we're about obeying the commands of Christ. We're about obeying the commands of Christ. Everything we do revolves around and is a response to one of the commands of Christ. Brothers, I need you to raise me up a little bit. Others, I get excited and I'll start yelling. And then people get scared. (coughs) Okay? Everything we do is about daily, weekly, monthly, and regularly. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) <laughs> I knew you thought it was so smart. <laughs> daily, weekly, monthly and regularly. All right. Annually also. We do Christmas annually. Christmas is coming. Christmas is going to be right here, just over here. And uh, we're gonna call friends. we are uh, gonna have a great time. All right. So daily, weekly, monthly and regularly. Let's go over those. Right. What are you talking about? What are you telling yourself this morning? You're asking yourself, This is what it means to be a Covenant Life member. This is what it means to be part of this church. If I'm going to be a member of this church, these are the things that I'm going to be committed to. Why? Because you become whom you're committed to. Say it. We become whom, say it. We become whom we are committed to. That's right. Very good. Number one, a daily pursuit of intimacy. A daily pursuit. Please look at the spelling because that could become anything. A daily pursuit of intimacy. What does that mean? It means we intentionally share or chase after disciplines and opportunities to become spiritually close to Christ. We look for opportunities to spend with Christ and with his people. Did you get that? Did you hear that? Yeah. We look for opportunities, we look intentionally chase after disciplines and opportunities that get us closer to Christ. A discipline that will get us closer to Christ and an opportunity that will get us closer to Christ. Which means if a situation arises where that I could become closer to Jesus, that situation, that discipline, that opportunity goes up on my chart. It goes up on my calendar. It goes up on my priorities. Is everybody with me? I don't think I have everyone with me. There's too much distraction in the back. Okay? Like for instance, if my mother says, Jerry, I want you to, son, I want you to uh, spare some time on the 23rd of November. Okay? On the 23rd of November, I want you to spare some time. I'm not going to check my calendar. It's mom. Or it's a loved one or a family member. Or if Gabriel says, you know, Dad, can you clear up 27th of, uh, of, of December for me? I'm not going to check my calendar. because. My pursuit is that relationship. That relationship is a priority. I will go back. I will find out what's on 23rd, 27th of November. I will clear it. I will make way for this. Many of us are the opposite. Many of us are the opposite. The opposite of chasing after intentional uh, disciplines and opportunities. The opposite of that is making excuses. Making excuses. And a lot of us are so carnal. Let me say not a lot of us. All of us. But oftentimes all of us but oftentimes are so carnal that we look for an excuse first. When it comes to carnal things, when it comes to financial things, when it comes to fun things, we just put that up on the board and then doesn't matter what we clear up our calendar for it. when it comes to spiritual things, getting closer to Christ things, getting closer to believers things, we hold that till the last minute till the last minute. I don't know, something important might come up, like scratching myself. I need to be free for that. You know, we hold it to the last bit. In fact, sometimes we say, uh, brother, can you say, can, Brother, can you come make yourself available You know, the 5th of, uh, of December? Can you make yourself available? I don't know, Brother. I, 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 I might be busy. I will be busy. <laughs> I plan to be busy. I'll find something. Almost instinctively, you've got to know this. You've got to know this. You think I'm I'm judging you. No, no, I'm not judging you. I'm saying that the flesh is the enemy of the spirit. That's a fact. The flesh is the enemy of the spirit. So the flesh, when taken over, when when it's in charge, will say to you, no, 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 keep keep your options open. Keep your options open. Don't, don't, Don't just commit right now. Don't commit right now. But someone who is intentionally pursuing two things. Number one, opportunities and disciplines. Say, opportunities and disciplines. Opportunities are situations, times, events. Disciplines are habits, things to to do things, right? Activities. You intentionally chase after these things because if it's going to get me closer to Jesus, it's on my list. It's on top of my list. That is a member of CL. That's a member of Covenant Life. That's what is the kind of member, person you want to bump into when you walk into covenant life and you uh, interact with a person in covenant life. Why? Because they are committed to, we are committed to hot habits. Hot habits. Hot habits that keep us burning hot. Habits that will keep fanning the flame, keep fanning the flame so that my flame for Jesus, my my hotness quotient for Christ will remain hot. I'm not going to leave it to the mercy of the last worship leader. I'm not going to leave it to the mercy of the last sermon I heard. I'm not going to leave it to the mercy of the quiet times I'm having or not having or having or not having or having or not having. I am going to intentionally put some things in place so that I ensure that my relationship with God is on fire constantly. Habits, hot habits, okay? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, look at what it says. Since then you have been raised. Can you tell me what English tense that is? It's have been raised it's past perfect correct it's something that happened and it finished and it happened in the past okay when it happened in the past it is not ongoing it wasn't happening it happened and it finished you were raised that means it was an event when was that when were you raised don't say Thursday say when Jesus was raised because we are all raised in Christ. If he is raised, then you have also been raised. Is there an if? No, there's a since. Mm-hmm. Since you have been raised. Got the English? Got the English? Now get down to scripture. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts. Circle hearts? Set your hearts. On things above. What is above? Where Christ is seated. Is everybody with me? Where Christ is seated. Where's he seated? At the right hand of God. I don't want to go over it again, but I might have to because I did go over this a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember I said and I explained what the right hand of God was? The right hand of God is not the right side of God. You know, that God is there and on the right side, little Jesus. And on the left side, vacancy. So his disciples are like, I want, I want. Right? You don't have the right side of God, you have the right hand of God. So when you say, he is my right hand man, what you mean is he goes out representing me with the full authority and he can make decisions on my behalf. Everybody with me? Circle right hand. He is at the right hand of God. That means he is ruling the rule of God in my life. He is executing the kingdom of God in my life. He is executing the will of God in my life. Got it? right hand of God, come back to set our hearts. Set up your heart. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts. What does it mean to set your heart? First of all, what is a heart? The moment we say heart, we think emotions, we think feelings, we think tears, we think roses, we think petals, we think <laughs> And all that nonsense. You know what the heart is? The heart is a throne room. The heart is the seat of your volition. The heart is where you make your decisions. The heart is where your will sits with a big sector and says, this is what I want. You can see that in the littlest kid, I want. You can see that in the oldest man, I want. That's the will. Now, can I explain the word set? Can we have custom? custard has to be, come on, oh no, pay attention, the custard has to be set, right? You know custard, right? It's like, you're in church, we're in church, you can't talk about custard, we're in church, I'm getting hungry. Custard, you have to put enough of gelatin or gum or something like that, right? You have to put enough of that in the custard for it to? Set. And put it in the fridge long enough for it to set. set. Now if you don't put enough or you pull it out too early, it's going to be summer camp custard. <laughs> Deodor's custard, which you drink with a straw. <laughs> right? And you go ahead and do that, but the first thing you see, as soon as you see that custard, you say that it is not set. set. What does it mean, it is not set? You know? But custard is like... "Mm -hmm." (laughs) But when you think about cement, cement, you want to ensure that it fills properly, fills the cracks, takes its shape properly before it sets. Because once it's set... Yeah, set. (laughs) Once it's set, it's set. (laughs) Okay? Once it's set, it's set. You know what the Bible says? Set your minds. Set your hearts on things above. Not on things below where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So you take your will, God's will, and you take your heart. Uh, Ah you're not listening, you're not even looking. You're not listening, you're not looking. Take His will and take your heart and set it. That means when it comes to the will of God, there's no discussion. There's no You know, argument, there is no death there. we will see. There's nothing like that. When it comes to the things of God, my heart is set on doing His will. If it comes to God versus you in my life, it's going to be Him. People need to come into your life and realize, oh, this this fellow, you can't mess with Him. Because anything that goes against Christ, you don't even bother, don't waste your time telling Him only, because He's not going to do it. His will is set with the Father. That's a member of covenant life. That's what we are gunning after. Philippians chapter three, verse ten. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. What do I want to know? I want to know His power, circle power. I want to know His sufferings. I want to know the way He suffered, because He always kept the the, the the Father before Him. He knew the purpose of His suffering, suffering, and finally become like Him in His death, becoming like Him. That's interesting, because normally you say, I want to become like Christ in His life. Yes. But the Apostle Paul says, I want to become like him in his death. death. What kind of a life is that? That's a resurrection life. That's a resurrection life. Because I know that if I die with Christ, I will also be raised with him. I know that. And this knowledge is what drives me. So he says, I want to know Christ. Are you with me? Number one, a daily pursuit of intimacy. Number two, a weekly priority of relationships. Spiritual relationships. You know what priority baggage is? Those of you who travel, you know what priority baggage is? It comes first. At least you expect it to come first. So it's very funny when you got 10 bags and then, then a priority bag comes, <laughs> yeah okay. like, i like, how did you get there? A priority spiritual relationship is when a spiritual relationship comes first. You put spiritual relationships first. What does that mean? What does that even mean? It means that there are fun relationships, there are social relationships, and there are spiritual relationships. There are academic relationships, there are uh, uh, professional relationships. So it's your profession that brings you together, it's your fun that brings you together, it's your social activity that brings you together. But in this case, it's the Spirit of God that brings you together. And when you are together on a spiritual agenda, it's a spiritual relationship. The beauty of spiritual relationships or any relationships. God has not called you into many, many, many relationships. He has not. You don't have to have a spiritual relationship with the whole church. He does not. He's asked you to marry one spouse. Makes sense. And he's asked you to have two, three, or four children. If there are six or seven children, usually the first three are looking after the others. Isn't that true? Doesn't the mom just forget about the fourth kid? Isn't the seventh kid... Home alone. <laughs> yeah. So let's just go with three, okay? And God has called into a few relationships. Why? Because it is an investment. It is an investment. Just one or two or three children, you may spend time. One wife, one one husband, you need to spend time. You got key relationships. You got one or two, three best friends. Same way, God has called into two or three spiritual relationships. Not a lot. So are there two or three relationships in your life? whose agenda is spiritual, and Covenant Life members prioritize this. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, please look. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, but encourage one another, okay? Circle the word encourage. But encourage one another, how often? Daily. Yeah, that means, because they didn't have the word at that time, uh, they don't didn't put it, but now it's there, so you can just, um, just replace daily with WhatsApp. <laughs> But encourage one another whatsapp, alright? Because that time they didn't have whatsapp, they had to send a pigeon and all, it took a little while for the double text to come back, okay? But encourage one another daily whatsapp as long as it is today, why? So that, so that none of you may be, very interesting, hardened, circle the word, hardened. Hardened by what? Sin's deceitfulness. Sin makes you think you're doing great. Sin makes you think you're close to God, you're close enough. Sin makes you think, eh, you're not that bad. Sin makes you deceive, it deceives you. But what I find interesting is, I want you to encourage one another every every day. Encourage, right? What is the opposite of encourage? Yeah, but he doesn't say discouraged. He said the opposite of encourage is hardened. Hardened. So either you are encouraged, or you are... Hmm. Interesting. Two types of believers: those who are encouraged in God, or those who are hardened, can't worship, can't praise, no interest in spiritual things, no interest in godly matters, no interest in the Bible. Don't even know where the Bible is. Open the Bible, read it. Eh, can't understand it. Can't understand. You've already decided it, you can't understand. There's no. It's too small. There. It's too small. Lots of excuses when it comes to spiritual. There's no appetite. I was watching that fun uh, video nowadays it's just the children trying to eat vegetables. And they're forcing them to eat vegetables. And the children are crying. They're just bitterly crying. They don't want to eat vegetables. There's no appetite. There's no appetite for things that are healthy, for things that are spiritual. So you have that. The opposite of encouraged is apparently hardened. What caused that hardening? Answer? Sin. Sin caused that hardening. Number two, a weekly priority of uh, spiritual relationships. So what do we do? We aggressively build spiritual relationships, friendships. We call that small group, discipleship group, call it what you want, but uh, in, in, in uh, borderline we call it man-to-man. We call it one accountability partner, man-to-man. All right, number three. Number three, a monthly partnership in kingdom business. A monthly partnership in kingdom business. What does that mean? It means. Okay, you right. <coughs> partnership. A monthly partnership in Kingdom Business. It means we strategically invest in God's work over ours. We strategically invest in God's work above and beyond ours. We put God's work above our work. Anybody remember the story of how King Solomon built the house of God first? Thirteen years, he spent building God's house first, and then he built his own. Lavish, lavish, most beautiful house. Nobody's ever had a house like that. Yet, he built that second. He first built God's house. And God said, I will not let uh, David build it because his hands are bloody. But I want his son to build it. Solomon will build it. For me, Solomon's name was Jedediah, beloved of the Lord, and he uh, built the house of God for him. The monthly partnership in in the kingdom means we strategically invest in God's work. I want to talk about two words here: the word Father's business and the word tithes and beyond. The word Father's business, the phrase Father's business, the word tithes and beyond. Do you remember Jesus when he was 12 years old went to the king, the the, the the, to Jerusalem along with the families, and then what happened was the families turned around and were going back home, and all those caravans were leaving, and they had been two days unnecessarily found that Yeshua was not around. And they panicked, they ran back to uh, Jerusalem, they searched everywhere helter skelter, and finally, they found him in the temple. Twelve years old, he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he's answering their questions, and he says to his mom and dad, why did you waste your time? Why did you waste your time? Investment. Why did you waste your time? Why were you looking for me everywhere else? Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? By the way, father's business is not a location. Father's house is a location, but he says, don't you know I would be about my father's Business. Why? Because the father's business is in the father's house. You got that? So to invest in the father's business is to invest in the father's house. This is a relational term. That's why I said these four commitments are family commitments. They are family commitments. We are not traditional. We are not institutional. We don't have a membership with some, you know, unseeable body. We have a membership. The Bible says you belong to each other. He says, you are committed to each other. He says, encourage one another. So Jesus is found in the temple. He tells to his mother and father and he tells his (laughs) earthly father. Who's he talking to? His earthly dad. He tells his earthly father, don't you know I should have been about my father's business? I wasted my time because Jesus knows who he is and he knows what his father's business is. And therefore he would be about that. My father's business is what I'm about. Are you about your father's business? It depends who your father is. Hmm. The question isn't what the business is. The question is who's the father. We keep asking about uh, what, what, what ministry does God want me to do? What ministry? You know, it's not about the business. It's about the relationship. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Next time, knowing that God is my father, come straight to God's house. Do you get the connection? Knowing that God is my father, come straight to my father's house because that's where you'll find me. The father's business is what is the most important thing in the life of a child of God. Because his identity, my father, results in his purpose, father's business, therefore results in his time and resources as an investment. The father said, Jesus said, the father sent me into the world I'm sending you into the world, okay? The Father tells me what to do, I do what the Father tells me to do. You and I are no different, the Father's business. Let's look at tithes, let's look at tithes. Firstly, I want to intentionally and strategically invest in God's work, the Father's work. Number two, tithes says, 2nd Chronicles 31 and 4 and 5 says this, He commanded, He commanded, please underline that, okay? God commanded His people. So He says, He commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the? He doesn't say how much. He not say percentage. He just says, give the portion due. But what I want you to note is, He commanded, right? To give the portion to the priests and the Levites that they may give themselves to the law of the Lord so that they can dedicate themselves and not worry about raising their own funds, raising their own money, raising their own resources, so that they can focus on God's work. I want you, He commanded the people who live in Jerusalem, to give the portion. Next sentence is, as soon as, underline that. As soon as, as soon as what? Go back to verse 4, and He commanded. And He commanded. So He commanded, and as soon as He commanded, they Obeyed. What did they do? As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in. Come on, the people of Israel gave in abundance. What did they give? The first fruits, everything that came first. They gave the first fruits of the grain, the wine, the oil, the honey, and all the produce of the land. And they brought in abundant, uh, brought in abundantly the tithe of. Everything, look at me, look at me, look at me. Two things they gave. They gave the first fruits. What does that mean? First fruit. The first growth, the first increase, the first salary, the first everything, the first thing to come from. They not only gave the first, it wasn't the last. It wasn't, agar hoto, agar badhya to. They gave the first thing. They didn't bother about the rest, the first thing. The second thing is they gave a tithe. Of everything, a tithe of everything. So we got auto, give a tithe. You got oil, give a tithe. You got grain, give a tithe. You got money, give a time. You got time, give a tithe. Got it? They tithe everything. What were they trying to say? They were trying to say that no matter what and how much growth we have after the tenth, God's work comes first. God's work comes first. As soon as the command was uh, spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of the grain, the wine, the oil, the honey, and all the pre- and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. The tithe of everything. This is what the Old Testament people did. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and ten. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled. It doesn't say will be full. It says it will be filled. Then your barns will be filled with? 20. Say it like you mean it. With? 20. 20. Twenty. Let's take it from the top. Honor the Lord with all your wealth, with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled, and your vats will be bursting with? Wine. wine. So you've got vats bursting with wine, and you've got barns full of food. He says, do this, And I'll do this. What is it? He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Does your wealth honor God? Does your wealth worship God? How do you make money serve God? You heard that right? Heard that right? How do you make money serve God? Because Jesus said there's only two gods there's God and there's Mammon, money. And I want this God to serve this God. How do I make this God subservient? Because if I don't make this God subservient to that God, I will become subservient to this God. Oh, I don't want that. So, I'm going to make money serve God. How do I do that? By honoring my wealth and with the first fruits of all my produce. That is a principle you want to put into your life. How do you get out of debt? by tithing and faithfully sorting out your, your resources and your wealth with regard to God. As long as you're robbing God, as long as you're withholding from God, as long as God's work, the Father's business, is not your top priority, God will not go to work abundantly for you. He will not. But when you do that, God goes to town to try and prove to you that He is no man's debtor. This is not about money, this is about firstness. It's about firstness. First fruits, first tenth, first produce. It's about firstness. Jesus is the prototype. He is the first of all creation. He is number one, numero uno. He is number one. So this is about firstness. This is not about your money, my money, church money. It's not even about offerings, but this is about honor. You want to get out of debt? put your finances with regard to God in place. You want to get out of financial bondage? Put your finances with God. You owe a lot of money and you are just a mess with your finances, get your tithing right. Everything else will fall in place. What I'm saying to you, I cannot scientifically prove or mathematically prove. You've got to test God, test God, test God, okay? So your vats will be bursting with wine, your bonds will be filled. Malachi chapter three, verse eight and nine. Malachi is gonna hurt, Malachi always hurts. Malachi is going to hurt. Malachi is the last book in the Bible, in the Old Testament and they got 400 years of silence and then the Lord Jesus comes. You have 400 years of silence and the Lord Jesus, you have the Gospels etc. So Malachi is the very end, it's, it's kind of what God left Israel on, the last note, which is pretty amazing. And the book of Malachi is 8 questions that God asks, 8 accountability questions that God asks the nation of Israel and one of those questions is this. And he says, will man rob God, <laughs> as if it's possible, but will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. Yet you are, it's not possible for man to rob God, but yet you are robbing me. How? How do you say it? How? How have we robbed you? Israel asks. And he says, in your tithes and your contributions is offering, tithes, contributions, they're not the same thing. In your tithes and your contributions. Can we drop God? No, we can't technically, but we have when we hold back what belongs to Him. We're saying, Lord, you give me my 90% in full, I'll give you your 10% in full. God is saying, no, you give me your 10% in full, I will give you your 90% in full. And we go to town with God, playing that little game every single month. Every single month. When the salary comes in, Let's first clear up our debt, you say. God says, no, you first take care of my house. You don't know, but I owe this No. I'll take care of that. You take care of my house. No, but I've been longing to buy this, and someone has been asking me, and oh we've immunity, oh, I need to pay that off a long time. i, will, I will. no, no. No, we need to shift now. Now is the time. No, no, no. You take care of my house. Every other priority will always seem more urgent than this one. You take care of my house first. That's God's maths, that's God's economy, that's how God rolls. So he says, will you rob God? you rob the tithes. Tithes are a tenth, tithes are a tenth. How do you rob? Verse 10 and 11 and 12. Bring the full tithe, how much is full? Full is 100%. Full is 100%. There's no almost full. Full means hundred. So bring the full tithe into the household. Don't chop up your tithe. Don't distribute your tithe. Your tithe belongs into God's house. Where is God's house? Where the Levites and the priests are serving you and are dedicated to the word and are feeding you and will be held accountable to God for your spiritual life. Where you are being fed, that house is where your ministry is. That's where you give your tithe. Everything else is contribution offering. You give it somewhere else. Now this is what the scripture says. People still believe otherwise, and I don't say anything. Because this is between you and God. This is between you and God. However, this is what Malachi 3.10 says. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in your house. Come on, little bit more conviction, people. <laughs> my house, my house. Come on. <laughs> that there may be food in my house. My house. My house. What does that mean, food in my house? That means the food that is there for the Levites and the priests. The food that takes care, the, 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 the resources that take care of those who serve me full time. Make sure that they are fed. Make sure that they are well taken care of. Make sure that they are never hungry. You look after them, I'll look after you. God has done a swap deal of responsibility. Use and I say to God, God, seriously, let me, hang on, wait, let me tell you. This is how we'll do this. This is how it will work. This is the Indian way. I will look after myself and you look after them directly. So you, you're promising me all these bad foods and all, no? that You're promising all this, all this, you give it to them, okay? I'll look after myself, you give it directly to them, I will pray for them. Sounds like a could be it. God is like, no, I want you to partner in the Father's business. I want you to be a stakeholder in the father's business. I want you to step into the father's business. This is how you do it. You look after the food. Make sure that it's food in my house. I will look after the food in your house. Come on, God. You've got to have a better way. No, test me. Test me. He says, this is what you do. Put me to the test by bringing the tide to the house bring the tide to the house and that, and by doing that, you have now tested me. What if you tested me? He says, says the Lord of hosts, I will not, see if I will not open the windows of heaven, underline for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How many times does he say my house? Once. Once. How many times does he say your house? Twice. Twice. Get it? Get it? God will never be indebted to you. He is in the game of giving and He wants you to be in the game of giving. And when you put His work first, He puts your work first. He will look after you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. On Instagram, there's this very funny thing with, um, you know, you've got all those uh, in yes. the chemistry lab? Out. Have those pots. And then the water is going in and they, they say which one will fill first? The which one will fill? I, I sit on that for hours. <laughs> 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 trying to figure out. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> and God is trying to say there is there's your house and there is my house. So he says when you make sure that there is no need in my house, that you give to my house first, When you make sure there's no need in my house, I will cover up the need no matter what your need is. No matter what your need is, I will ensure that there is no need, period. You're not getting this. When God challenges you to something, and when He takes a dare, you better take it seriously. This is the only dare God is willing to take. And He's saying, I dare you, you make sure that there's no need in the church, I will make sure there's no need in the home. Your children want to go to college? You want to buy that house? You want this blessing? You want that blessing? If it's a need, I will ensure that you get all your needs, but not at the cost of my people. Are you getting this? This is not a prosperity teaching. This is a stewardship teaching. This is an obedience teaching. And what did I say? That our church membership revolves around obedience to the voice of God. You're getting sleepy, so let's, let's wrap this up. Alright. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, done. Number 4, a regular practice of inviting people. A regular practice of inviting people. Let me Give me three, more, three minutes on this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will be my witnesses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? It means friends. Friends of friends and everybody. Does that sound familiar? Friends. Friends of friends and everyone else. Judaism, people who are like you, people who don't like you, and people who... I was just making that up. (laughs) Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2 verse 3 says, God has raised Jesus to life and we are witnesses of him. It's going to get interesting. Last two verses. John chapter 13 verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another. That's not a new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, as I have loved you. Ah, that's the new covenant. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Look at me, please. Let me, let me finish this. So, when we call people, Amendra, say hi. When we call Amedra into the church, he will witness the love between Brother Ratan and myself. He will witness, he will come and see in our, we call him here, to expose our relationships. We call people to expose our family, to let them come and see that in this family, God rules. And where God rules, there is forgiveness, there is understanding, there is patience, there is forbearance, there is encouragement, there is care there is concern, there is prayer support, there is constant thinking of the others, there is putting and esteeming others one and above ourselves. It's easy to love everybody else. It's hardest to love God's people. It's hardest to love God's people. And we invite people not for the service, not for the message, not for the worship. We invite people into our family to say, come and see what a family that's ruled by Jesus looks like. Why? They will see your love for each other and they will know that you are mine disciples. How do we witness? We call people and we say, come, see, come see, come taste, come see what it's like, how we behave with each other. Most churches you go to, a lot of churches you go to, when you go inside and you join them and get into the, what do you see? You hear a lot of gossip, you hear a lot of talk, a lot of back scratching, you hear a lot of ridicule, judgment, condemnation. That's been an experience for many people. That's what they tell us in the membership classes. But when they come into our community, what do we want them to see? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, a commitment to one another, a desire for spiritual relationships, a commitment to giving, a sacrificial level of commitment to making sure that everybody's taken care of. We want them to see that Jesus rules here. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. disciples. So how do we make disciples? By showing people that we are His disciples. By showing people how disciples behave with one another so that they may see us and turn to Christ. Alright, One second Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's what? Ambassador. Ambassadors. So as disciples, we are ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God's peace. Alright, so we prayerfully and consistently bring people to see our love, our love for each other and God's grace in our brokenness. Let's close. We become what we're committed to. Didn't I tell you that? We become what we're committed to. We don't put our hands to the plow and turn back. We don't leave the health of the church in the lives in the hands of others or chance. We seriously, we have become serious stakeholders of the father's business. We are serious stakeholders of the father's business. We feel responsible for the Great Commission. I know it's late. I know it's late. But I'm not going to see you for a week. So take one minute. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Take one minute. Don't lose this opportunity. Two hours from today, from now, you'll forget everything, and you won't even forget that it was a long sermon. But take a moment, say, Lord, how am I doing on number one? Don't don't rate yourself, but come under the scanner, and th- it's one of those scanners that checks for heat. You know, is there life? Checks for heat. Wherever there's heat, there's life. Lord, am I, am I alive in the area of personal devotion to you? am i alive in the area of my relationships do i have godly spiritual agenda driven relationships lord in my finances if you look at my budget does it look like the father's house is my top priority lord do i bring people to our family do i bring people home to see my family in the last one month how many have i brought in the last one year how many have i brought to to show them the love of christ so that my people demonstrate that. Lord, where do I stand? Where do I stand?